Welcome to the Harbor Church Podcast. Harbor is here to connect people with Jesus and with each other. If you're looking to get connected, you can find more info at harborchurch.com. Now here's this week's message from Pastor Josh. Well, good morning, everybody. How's, how are we doing this morning? Good energy. Thank you. I love energy. I feed off of energy. I'm so glad that you're here. Thanks for coming and checking this out. Maybe this is your first time at Harbor, or maybe you're checking us out online. You're just tuning in right now live. Uh, my name is Josh. I'm the pastor here, and uh, I'm thrilled that you're with us. We've uh, just had a great time of worship, and some of the songs we sang tie into what we're going to be talking about today as we conclude a series called Peeled. And we've been looking at different fruit and how, uh, and kind of correlating it to how God likes to kind of peel us back and get to what is at the heart of you and I, where sometimes we struggle or sometimes we just don't understand the potential we have. God wants to use us. He wants to, um, he wants to see more come out of our lives than what we even want for ourselves. Often when we think about our relationship with God, we think, um, yeah, I, I've kind of got a better plan than you do, God. And he's going, no, if you would trust me, I've got more for you than what you even have for yourself. We really think really small-mindedly, and God goes, nope, I've got something much bigger. And so we've looked at different uh, fruit throughout, the, uh, throughout this series. We've talked about oranges and watermelons and pomegranates and kiwis and different stuff. And um, we've talked a little bit about what we're going to conclude with today. Last week, we spoke about poison, um, poison berries, and how we uh, sometimes take things that aren't good for us. And that'll actually tie into today's message as well. If you weren't here last week, you can go watch that. But uh, today, I'm using apples because we haven't had a chance to use apples. But more than anything, um, I just kind of wanted to speak on the idea of seeds. And um, fruit-bearing seeds, fruit is, uh, is kind of a, a, a disguise for the purpose of getting the seeds to go out. Here's how it works. There's a lot of different ways, different uh, types of plants and uh, uh, a lot of different types of seeds. Some of them are just flat out there. A pine cone is a, is a form of seed. You know, there's, there's the kind that take flight. There's the, the ones that you blow and they, they go out and they, they, they go around. But the fruit seeds are disguised in a way that makes you want to ingest them or eat them. Uh, obviously, we don't do that, especially with, with apples or, I mean, I don't know, some of you weirdos might eat the core, I guess. <laughs> That's fine. Um, but, like, uh, we normally get to the seeds and discard it. If you're eating a watermelon, you spit the seeds out. Um, cantaloupe or whatever, you, you, uh, we, we normally try to avoid the seeds, but that's what fruit does. They, they make themselves enticing so that you take it, and it's usually just a container. The whole purpose of the apple, um, the whole idea behind most of the berries, is that they, they trick animals, including you and I, to get to that part where, oh, see, a couple of the seeds already popped out, to get to that part where we get that seed. So down deep in there, it hides seeds. Now, apples normally have less than 10 or less seeds, so not a great example of tons of seeds, but that is the life of the next apple tree. Now, it's hidden itself in the fruit and the meat there to get it to be taken to a new location. I'm not going to get graphic, but animals do a lot of the dispersing of seeds for us. <laughs> you eat an apple however you want, um, but the, the whole point of getting getting in there and getting to this as uh, of this this peeled series is to talk about the idea of of seeds and i believe in each inside of each and every one of us um we have seeds we have the potential to reproduce and i'm not just talking about offspring i'm i'm talking about the fact that every single one of us are planting seeds almost every single day 
The Bible uses the analogy of seeds over and over and over again because seeds represent so many different things. And, um, and, and many times it's just the literal seeds for crops, and God talks about that. Um, many times it's, it speaks to a lot of other stuff. We'll, we'll get into it in a second. But here's the idea I want you to hold on to today. I want you to, to think about yourself as a seed sower, as somebody who is planting seeds. Now, you might be like, I'm not a farmer. This isn't for me. Trust me. You have something inside of you that you are dispersing. You, there is a part of you that you are planting everywhere you go. You are putting seeds in people's lives. If you're a parent, you're putting a lot of different seeds into your kids' lives. But maybe it's your coworkers. It's the people you share a cubicle with. Maybe it's the, the, the people you can, can continually bump into. It might be a family member or, or just your circle of friends. But you're a seed planter. Every single person in here is a seed planter. This is what we do in the context as the Bible loves to, to use this analogy. We'll get into how Jesus used it many, many times. We are, we are spreading seed. We are influencing, sometimes infecting, but hopefully for the positive, we're planting seeds. So this is the question I want you to ask yourself. What is it that's in me that I'm passing on to others? Today, I want you to just really lean into that. Kristen challenged us to open up and, and like allow God to just speak into our lives and do something awesome. This is the question I want you to just kind of, even if it gets a little uncomfortable, get into. We've been peeled back six weeks in a row now to get to this point. What is it that we are planting? What are we giving to others? What, what is it that's in me that I'm passing on to other people? What, what do you have? What are you contributing? And if you're sitting there going, well, I, I don't do much, so that doesn't you are passing something on do not make the mistake of hearing me talk about this and you're like oh you're talking about like missionaries or, or pastors and like doing something good no i'm talking about you every day you are passing something on you are planting seeds identify today what it is you've probably already planted some seeds in some of the people in your life that you're closest to this morning on the car right here on how you handled getting ready <laughs> and how you are pre-coffee and post-coffee right Nobody? All right, well, well, either way, if you can think of apples or any other fruit that helps you identify with the idea that it's just a casing for the seed, all of that, what we have is to be enticing. The, 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 the entire point of fruit is that they entice somebody to come get them so that the seeds can go somewhere else. This is the whole purpose behind fruit, or else it would all look like pine cones because they just go wherever. It's actually designed to pull you in. Now, how many of you guys actually like apples? all right finally i finally picked a fruit that's weird but whatever it's like i had some really cool fruit and be like nah i'm not sure but apples okay the most boring of the fruit that's fine <laughs> cool you like apples i got her number how you like them apples nobody it's a movie reference if uh you don't get movie references you came to the wrong church that's pretty much all i do so um <laughs> let's jump in on the idea of God teaching us about how, how he has designed the world, in Genesis 1, chapter 29, this is the creation chapter. This is when God first created all things. He started from the beginning with the concept of seeds. It says, I've given you every seed-bearing plant that throughout the whole world it's going to continue to be filled. He designed it from the beginning that... They, that plants and, and, of course, fruit in this context would have seeds and that the seeds would give birth to more, that this idea... Now, he could have created it however he wanted, just random trees popping up, but he didn't. He said, I want you to get the illustration that 
a seed goes in the ground, a tree grows, it produces fruit, the fruit gets consumed, the, the, the byproduct of the fruit getting consumed is that a seed gets planted somewhere, and then another tree grows, and another tree grows, and another tree grows. Now, I've heard it said, and it's not me, it was somebody else, but they said, you know, man can count how many seeds are in an apple, but only God can count how many apples are in a seed. And we don't know the potential of one seed that gets planted, but God does. He, under, he understands this dynamic. We can go plant one seed and just watch what happens from it. Um, watch how everything seems to reproduce itself. This was a design from the very beginning. God actually says it's not only going to be about that, but I'm going to put it in an order. He says later in Genesis chapter 8, I think, he says that, it, that for as long as the earth exists, he goes, there, I'm going to give you some ideas. There's going to be a time to plant and to harvest. There's going to be cold and hot. There's going to be winter and summer. There's going to be day and night. He goes, listen, I've created not only the reproduction system, I've not only set up an example for how things are going to continue on and continue on and continue on, I'm also going to make it very clear to you that there's times for both. There's times where it'll be plentiful. There's times where it'll be hard. There's times where you're going to have to really fight to make something happen. There's going to be times just of harvest. There's going to be times when you need to rest, and there's going to be times when you need to work. And all of it ties back into this giant picture of you and I have a job to do. You and I have influence that we have to cast. You and I are need to, there's times where we really need to get off our butt and start really making some change. There's times where we need to sit back and rest and watch what God does. And then there's times where we got to get to work weeding out. And we're going to speak to all of that, but since we have such, such limited time, I, I kind of want to speak to you about that urgency today. And I think a lot of times when I would sit in church, I would go, well, I've got plenty of time to try to do something nice. Someday when I retire and I have free time and free money, because that's what people like to think will happen and it doesn't, but whatever. Um, like someday, someday, way down the road, uh, I'm going to get to this and, and I'm going, I, I, I'll, I'll make something happen or I'll, I'll get better at influencing other people or planting good seeds or whatever. James says that, that our life is but a vapor, our, our life is like a fog, that you're not guaranteed of tomorrow. The Bible goes to, it goes to the lengths to try to tell you, don't be the person that says someday. Remember, hear me out, today you planted seeds and we'll keep planting seeds every day. Every day you're planting something. So if, you're, if your answer is someday I'll plant something good, guess what you're planting between now and someday? Oh, it got quiet. <laughs> someday I'll do something good. Well, you're doing something all the time. If it's got to be a long time from now till you do something good, you got a whole lot of days where you're not doing something good, where you're not planning anything of value. And the idea that someday, one day in the future, I'll get my act together. One day I'll start to really take this seriously. One day I'll, I'll, I'll really interact with God. I'll get my heart right. One day, one day, someday in the future, that the Bible says is, is a very foolish way to live your life. Nobody in this room has promised that we'll be here tomorrow. And when you look at the timeline of eternity, your life is like a morning fog. You might live to be 120 years old. I highly doubt it, but whatever. 120 years old on the timeline of eternity is like a morning fog. Here today, gone tomorrow. It's but a vapor. So the, as, as, uh, how I memorized that verse. It's but a vapor that appears for a short time and vanishes away. Here's what God says about misusing our time when he speaks to his children, his chosen people, the Israelites, as they get ready to go into the promised land. He says, there's, there's a lot of blessing I'm going to have. And we sang songs and we, 
We even looked at the verse that says God's going to pour out his blessings when we follow him. The condition is that he's the God and not us. The condition is that we put something higher than we put ourselves. We are tempted, we, myself included, we're tempted to make us the God of our life. What do I want today? What do I feel like? What am I going to do with my time? What am I going to do with my money? What am I going to do with my words? Who do I really love? We look at for what makes us happy, and that's what dictates what we do. And when we do that, we, we tell God, he's not really God, we're God, and we'll just sprinkle in a little bit of Jesus every once in a while and hope that that gets us through. This is what God tells his people back in Deuteronomy. He says, if you guys don't follow after me, understand how it's going to affect things. Let me read this for you. It says, you'll plant sacks and sacks of seed in the field. You're going to spend a lot of time doing a lot of work, except for you're going to get almost nothing. The grasshoppers, and this is a picture of decay. This is a picture of people coming in and stealing away from you. will devour it. You'll plant and hoe and prune vineyards, but you won't get to drink or put up any of the wine. The worms will devour them. It goes on. And it continues to say, you'll have groves of olive trees, and olive oil was an important thing to their culture. He says, but you'll not have any oil to rub on your face or your hands. The olives will have fallen off. You'll have sons and daughters, but they won't be yours. They're going to be taken off into captivity. Locusts will take over your trees and crops. And it it sounds like it's all about farming, but what God was trying to tell his people was, yes, I'm sending you into the promised land. Yes, I have a plan for you. Yes, I have good for your life. Yes, I want something better for you. I don't want you to live in struggle. He sets them free from slavery in Egypt and brings them to the promised land. God wants to set you free from the bondages of sin. Some of you in here are struggling with all kinds of things from your past, current addiction, struggles, fears, uh, all kinds of things that, that, that are, are holding you and enslaving you this morning. God wants to set you free from that. And some of you have found freedom from the things of your past, but you're not looking for what God has for you. He doesn't want to just set you free. He wants to give you a land that's flowing with milk and honey. He wants to give you the best. Here's the problem. Some of you haven't ever been set free right here. Some of you haven't been set free because you've never embraced God's forgiveness for your life and what Jesus Christ has done for you. You haven't accepted that. Some of you have accepted it, and you like the shackles being taken off because you're like, great, I'm free. I can go to heaven when I die. I I found some victory over sin, but you're not giving God the rest of your life. And instead of living in a land of plenty, you're going to live in a place where all the things you do are going to come to naught. This is how, if you think I'm I'm over-exaggerating or if I'm overstepping this, look at the people who have rejected God and pursued themselves. Some of them actually, a few, let me just be very, a few, a very small amount of people actually find the fame and the wealth that they were looking for. And then they're still not happy. The richest, most famous people find themselves to be some of the most depressed. They're usually the ones that you see on the news who have died from some type of overdose or some type of suicide. They've they've decided that they got what they wanted and then they still weren't fulfilled. Here is the trick. We get fooled into our entire lives pursuing after things that we think will make us happy. And if, we're, if, if we actually get them, which very few people do, but if you actually are blessed enough to ca- capture those, those awesome things, you find, hey, I'm not as fulfilled as I thought I would be. And this is what God is saying. When you put me first, I'm going to make sure that all the seeds you sow bring you actual fulfillment versus the seeds you're sowing in your own power where you're going to grow a whole vineyard of stuff and go, What do I do with this? And some of you are living in the orchards, vineyards, fill in your own metaphor of your own work, and you're like, yeah, this sucks. I thought it would be better than this. 
Some of you have spent all of your time working at your business, working on yourself, working at, at this, this money thing or this achievement thing or this, this status thing or whatever, this relationship. You've worked so hard to get to this thing, and then you go, and it, it's just not paying off. This is what God is trying to warn us about, and this is where he, he begins to explain to us the idea of seed planting. This is a famous passage I want you to look in Matthew chapter 13. We're going to look at a story that's been probably even preached on a lot. I'm going to give you the backup story to it as well, or the follow-up. But in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is once again using parables. And when Jesus uses stories to explain things to people, um, what, it, what he's trying to do is he's trying to take something that they can relate to and make it practical for everyday life. And he usually puts a little twist in there. And for, for a group of people who farmed, farm life and sowing seed was a very easy buy-in, an easy tie-in, an easy to understand principle. So this isn't the only time. There's tons of other times where Jesus uses the idea of sowing seeds, mustard seeds, other kind of stuff. Maybe you, you grew up in church and you've heard them. Maybe this is your first time in church and this whole concept is new to you. That's okay. I don't think very many church people, Christians or not, really understand what it is to, to sow seeds. So let's look at what Jesus is saying in, in chapter 13. If you don't have a Bible, we'll put it on the screen, don't worry. It says this, later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. I think here, I, don't, I might be reading into this, but if your pastor needs to get away, you should buy him a boat. <laughs> Just, uh, I might have taken a liberty there or not. Okay. Um. <laughs> then he sat there and he taught the people as, he stood on the sh as they stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. All right, here comes the story. Listen, there's an exclamation point there probably need to pay attention to that listen a farmer went out to plant some seeds as he scattered them across the field some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them and other seeds fell on shallow soil uh, with underlying rock these seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow um, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun and since they didn't have deep roots they died other seeds fell among thorns and grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as, they, as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. There's an entire discourse where Jesus talks about the fact that people who don't want to see God's truth aren't going to understand this passage. But if you're, if you're here today, and when he says people with ears to hear should... Should, should listen up. But he's saying, don't just hear this story. Listen to what's happening. He's, he's giving you a much deeper spiritual tie-in than how you and I could be better farmers. Because some of you are like, I have no desire to farm. No green thumb whatsoever. This is not about trying to get you guys to, to plant stuff. This is about you recognizing in your own spiritual life what it is that God has called you to and wants from you. So, uh, or wants for you, I should probably say. And he goes on and his, his disciples as awesome as they are, and I love that his disciples, after this, they come to him, they're like, all right, Jesus, um, explain that whole seeds thing to us, <laughs> now that everybody's gone, because this is sometimes I read the Bible, and I'm like, a smarter person would get this, and then I watch the men who help write the Bible be like, okay, explain it, <laughs> like, yes, yes, I'm not the only idiot here, um, all right, so Jesus, and Jesus says, like, listen, I want you to understand what I'm talking about. And he speaks to this idea, and he goes on. So if we jump down and we see um, 
uh, in verse number 18, it says, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. So now he's going to explain it to them. It's in private now. It's not the big crowd. He says, the seed that fell on the footpath, that represents the people that hear the message about the kingdom, about heaven, about what God wants for them, um, but they don't understand it. And then the evil one, that's talking about Satan or the devil, um, he comes and he snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those that hear the message and immediately receive it, but, uh, and receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Verse number 22, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those that hear God's word, but are all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. In verse number 23, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear, truly hear, truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as had been planted. So God walks through and Jesus is trying to help them understand, here's what it looks like, one, to be a person who casts seed, and two, to understand the people that are receiving seed. So at some point, you and I have either been poured into and that may be this moment right now. Right now, God may be trying to plant a seed in your heart so that you can understand what it is he wants for you and has done for you and a relationship that he wants to have with you. And so uh, my goal as a pastor is to get up and to plant seeds from God's word, not from Josh, but something that God might be able to, to, to use to take a hold in your life so that you can produce fruit when you walk out of here. This is, we, we, listen, Cape Cod didn't need another church. We started Harbor Church because we, we felt like God wanted to do something in and amongst his people. This is not just so you can come in and go, hey, check mark, I went to church today. I get a spiritual gold star in heaven. God's smiling at me. You know, like that makes us feel good, but it's not true. Don't come in here and waste an hour. Come in here. Allow God to, to, to plant a seed in your life. Allow something to take hold that makes a difference. And then walk out those doors changed. Walk out those doors ready to make a greater impact in the lives of your family in your neighbors, in your community, at your, at your work. Allow God to put something in your heart. And this is, the, this is the temptation you and I have every time we open God's word, whether privately or corporately. When we hear God's word, we, we want to kind of blow up a little bit. Like, I don't need that. That's not for me. That's for her. That's for him. Oh, yeah. So I know somebody needs to be here for this message. Yeah, it's you. You, <laughs> you, you, you need to recognize what's going on in you. And so God is, God is letting us know, okay, hey, there's different kinds of people, there's different ways to receive, and then as we become, once we receive, our job is to then turn around and spread out more good seed and recognize there's different people in our lives, and they fall into one of these categories. So first off, he says, uh, if you go back to verse 18, the explanation, in verse 19, the seed, the first seed that fell on the footpath represents the people that hear the message about the kingdom but don't understand it. The evil one comes and snatches away that seed that was planted in their hearts. This is the, these are the ones that are doomed. And this is, this is heavy, and I, I don't like being heavy, but it's very important that you understand the whole part of the Bible. The Bible speaks very clearly about two consequences and what a lot of people want when they go to church. I want to go to church, and I just want to hear the good side. I just want to hear the rainbows. Yay, okay? I don't want to hear the... I want to hear about heaven, don't ever tell me about hell. I want to hear about grace and forgiveness, don't ever talk to me though about repentance. And this is, this is the thing, uh, as much as we want to celebrate on Easter that Jesus rose from the dead, we have to acknowledge the fact that he had to die a brutal death on the cross to pay for our sins. There is two sides. You will appreciate heaven more when you understand that the, 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 
the other side of that, that, that equation is, is hell. And there is an importance, if you didn't understand the urgency when I said your life is but a morning fog, that you don't have a lot of time, you might be sitting here going, well, I'm a believer, so all of this is just, eh, what if or if I choose to or not to. No, no, no. There's other people around you, and they need to hear the word because there's people that it ha the seed hasn't taken hold yet. Many of you that would now say, hey, I'm a follower of Christ, I'm now a believer. There was times when you were the person that had the footpath heart. The seed fell and you didn't want to hear it. I don't want to hear that. I don't need that. I already figured it out. I already know what's going on. The doomed person in verse number one may be sitting next to you right now. It may be the first person you interact with when you leave church. It may be the third or fourth person you talk to uh, at work on Monday. I don't know who it is, but there's people that are currently doomed because they do not have the message of Jesus planted in their hearts. It hasn't taken hold. They don't understand. They don't get it. It may be your own children. It may be your grandparents. It may be somebody that you love dearly. And the Bible says the people that have rejected Christ and don't have that, that, that they go to hell. But the people who embrace Jesus Christ, the people that find the forgiveness for their sins, the people that actually accept him as their savior, they get a home in heaven. So they moved from doomed to rescued. Now here's another part though. Some of you are in that rescue category, but you're not doing well because there's another, another one right after it says, so that was the first seed. Verse number 20, the seed that fell on rocky soil represents those that hear the message and immediately receive it woo, with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. This next, this next group, the first group is doomed. The next group is the defeated. And sometimes you are the defeated person who when things get tough, you're out. When things get hard, you're done. You're discouraged. And the reason for that, I'm going to just keep alliterating today. So if you're taking notes, doomed, defeated, discouraged, it's a lack of depth, okay? I got them for days. I have a dictionary. I can do this. Um, there is a lack of depth, and so they, they, they struggle when persecution comes. They struggle when the world doesn't accept it, when, when things aren't easy, and so it begins to crush them and they they walk away from their faith that may be you today or if you'd say that's not me that may be the person that god's trying to get you to plant seeds in their life and understand that not everybody has the depth that you have and may i also say you might not have the depth that you think you have <laughs> quick test what does it take for you to wither up it it took hold right hey i got it and then it's, the sun comes out and it says it, because it doesn't have deep enough roots, it withers and falls away. You think you're deep, then just ask yourself, what does it take for you to lose faith? How intense does the persecution have to get? How hot does the sun have to get? How many people have to tease you about your faith? How many distractions do you need on a Sunday morning before you say, nah, I don't need God? That shows you the depth of your spiritual life, and it's not to pat yourself on the shoulder, it's to go, I need to get deeper, because there's not a single person in this room that is as deep as they need to be. We can always take another step, we can always go deeper in our faith. I didn't get a lot of amen, so I'm going to move on. <laughs> the next one, the seed in verse number 22 that fell among the thorns represents those that hear God's word, and all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So there's two there. So first you have the doom, then you have the defeated, 
Here are the people that are the discouraged because of the world's problems, very similar to the last one, but it says it quickly gets rooted out. This could also be the depressed. This could be the people who, once that things get in their mind, they can't get rid of them, and now their faith is no more. But then you also see it says not just that. It's not just the ones who are, uh, uh, who are crowded out by the worries of this life. It's also the lure of wealth. Um, and what that's speaking to is the distracted. There's some of in here that you're the discouraged, the depressed, and that's why the seed isn't growing. That's why you're not producing healthy fruit. But then there's also the people in here that would say they're distracted. Everything else is a priority in your life before you get to God. Well, I got to take care of business. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to have this. I need this. This is my future. This is my family. This is this. This is this. This is this. And then down here is God. And if I got a little bit left over, I'll give him. I'll give him whatever I got. And God goes, no, no, no. All of that makes you the God of your life. What you do is you put me here and trust that I influence all of those things that are important to you. And I do more through you in those categories than you could ever do on your own. But what that requires is faith. And what we have is it's easier for us to trust ourselves than it is to trust God. But God is the great grower of crops. He is the great influencer of fruit. He is the one that takes a little seed and vastly multiplies it. You know what you and I are? We're the dumb farmer that's like, oh, I don't know how it works. I just put it. This is literally a Bible passage. He goes, there's guys that throw the seed out. They don't know what happens. They just come back and it's grown. That's you and I. We don't know how it works. It just happens. We're just called to throw the seed. God is the one who grows it. God is the one who brings that. God is the one who has worked the miracle of like one small word, one small act of kindness, one small thing. I can multiply it. I can do something. Just trust me. Go over there and love your neighbor like you love yourself and watch what I can do. I'm that kind of God. That's what you have to ask yourself. Who am I trusting? Am I trusting me or am I trusting my father? Am I trusting the one who says, call me dad and watch what I do when you, when you trust me? Who is your daddy and what does he do? He grows crops. Once again, if you don't get it, watch more movies. The last one is this. It says, the seed that fell on good soil, verse 23, represents those who truly hear and understand. And then they produce a harvest of 30, 60, even 100 times as much as has been planted. Here's the part I want to close on is this, this last one. This is the discipled. This is the person who receives and then understands, my job isn't to just receive it. My job is to find something that is now pleasing, something that somebody would actually want to be around. Maybe if I love other people, if I love other people, it gives me a chance to plant a seed in their life. It gives me a chance to actually tell them about what God has done in my life. And the little seed, it, it doesn't seem like much, but I'm going to trust that God can do more through a little act of kindness, through me being willing to share my testimony. And a testimony basically just means your story of what God has done in your life. And you're like, well, my story's kind of broken and messed up. Awesome. That's what God wants to use, is broken, messed up stories, because he is in the, the business of redeeming. You know what speaks to other messed up people is when they hear about how a messed up person is still loved by God and he still has a plan for them and he doesn't throw them away because he sees more potential in them than they see in themselves. That speaks volumes. I don't need to hear from somebody who's like, I was pretty much perfect my whole life and I didn't make any mistakes, but then like I, like, I love God. I'd be like, hey, you can go pound sand. 
You know that's, I cleaned that up. So <laughs> the, the idea of sharing your, sharing your testimony, of planting seeds, it, it, it's something I want you to lean into because this is what God's called us to be. He's called us to be disciples, dispersers of seed. Now, you have to determine which kind of ground you are. And then as you, re, as you meet resistance, as you pray over your kids, as you pray over your parents, as you pray over your neighbors, as you pray over your best friend, as you pray over your spouse, as you, as you pray over your boss or your employees, as you begin, God, break my heart for the people that you put in my life, you're going to find that some of them don't receive very well. Some of them struggle to even appreciate what it is you're trying to share. Some of them don't want to hear your story. Some of, them, some of them are just confused. Some of them want to make fun of you. Some of them want to recoil. Some of them have been hurt. Some of them are very antagonistic. This is what you're going to find because not everybody is, is ground that's ready and you just keep me faithfully sowing seed and praying, God, make their heart tender, make their heart tender. God, let me do something that, get, that melts that icy exterior and, and allows them to see the value of who you are. Jesus follows up in verse 20, he ends that parable in verse 23 and he turns right around. He goes, hey, disciples, verse 24 says, the kingdom of heaven's like a farmer who planted good seed in his field, but that night as the workers slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, and then he slipped away. And when the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew, and the farmer's workers went to him, and they said, sir, the field where we planted the good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds, they asked? No, he replied. You'll uproot the wheat if you do that. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles and burn them, and to put the wheat in the barn. This passage, this parable, is back to back. No break. It's back to back with the parable we just read about the four kinds of seeds. I've heard thousands of messages on the four kinds of seeds. I rarely hear messages on the wheat and the tares, or the wheat and the weeds, because it's a weird passage. But it's still in the same context of sowing seed. It's still the same idea of what's being planted and what's being harvested. And if you look at this story, you'll see God's, God's kind of walking through it here. He goes, there's, there's, there's always going to be two kinds of planters. This is what I said at the beginning. You're planting something. You're planting something every interaction you have with people. Every subtle text, every conversation or withholding of a conversation in an attempt to punish them. Every, every time you, you, you try to teach somebody something or interact in a different way, you're planting seeds. You got to determine if you're planting it for produce or for poison. You got to figure out is the things, are the things that I'm doing, these seeds that I'm planting, that I don't even realize I'm planting. We talked about poison a lot last week. Our guy, the, the, the guy with no name, home slice poisons his own friends, not knowingly. He's just like, that looked good. And he feeds them poison thinking he was helping. We sometimes accidentally poison others because we're casting seed and we don't even think about it. But we at our core are so jacked up that we're casting that same seed into the lives of the people that matter most. And our ego gets in there, or our greed gets in there, or our insecurity gets in there, or our lying gets in there, or our jealousy gets in there, or our anxiety gets in there, and we just are planting seeds because we have so many things that come out of our mouth and so many things that we do, and we don't realize it's all infecting those around us, and we are more toxic than we recognize. There's two kinds of planters, the person who cares about produce and the person who cares who, who, is, who is doing the poisoning. Here's the question, the, the second question I want you to ask yourself today. 
if everybody plants something, am I planting seeds that help others or hurt others? And only you can really answer this, and I think you, should, you need to pray and ask God to show you. Are you, we love to be like, yeah, look at all the good I did. If the good that you do comes once every three months, ask yourself what you're planning during those other times. I imagine if you take together your actions, your interactions, your conversations, you plant hundreds of seeds every day. How many of them are actually helping people? How many of them are just weeds, distractions, maybe even toxic? This is what God is calling us to. I get it, it's not a fun message, but if you're a parent, if you're a friend, if you're a boss, if you're an employee, if you're a neighbor, you gotta, you gotta have like a grown-up conversation. You gotta look in the mirror and go, I, I, I'm responsible. I am responsible for what I cast. Something may have happened bad to you, and what we like to do is go, Pastor, you don't know all the bad poisonous seeds people planted in my life. I get that. Somebody did you wrong. People have hurt you. It's your choice on whether you pass that on or not. You could take that hurt and say, God, forgive me. God, take this from me. Teach me to love. Teach me to forgive. I don't want bitterness in my heart. God, I want to infect the people around me with your love, with your joy. The Bible talks about fruits of the Spirit, the things that are good that I put out. God, I, I, bad stuff happened to me. I made poor choices or something evil happened to me that was out of my control. Don't let that infect everybody else. Am I helping or am I hurting? And it says the crop began to grow. When the crop began to grow, this is what I've noticed, is that whenever good starts to take place in your life, the enemy shows up. Now that the crop begins to grow, we see these weeds popping up. And sometimes God is at work, and it's when God is at work and things really start to get happening that the biggest adversaries show up. Sometimes you get scavengers. You know those birds? That's why you got scarecrows out there. Scavengers are the people, the things that want to consume but never contribute. They want to consume, but they never want to contribute. They're here for me. What can I get? What can I get? I'll say this about church. As our church continues to be blessed, as God continues to pour out on, onto Harbor, and as we continue to grow, it is going to attract even negativity. And it's a shame, but, but that's just what happens. Satan hates people finding hope. Satan hates when, when you begin to trust God more than you trust yourself. And so there will be scavengers that come, people that want to be negative, people that want to consume, people that want to be like worms and, and, and rot. There will be that same thing in your life. When God starts to bless your marriage, when God starts to pour into to your family, when God starts to work through you and some work relationships, don't be surprised that other people show up and want to condemn it. Other people want to pick away at it. Other people want to tear down the work that you're doing. And you're like, no, I had just had a breakthrough with my grandma. I just, I just started to see my son take a step in the right direction. Why is this happening? Because Satan hates when people find victory in God. And so there's always going to be this, this, this negativity that comes. There's always going to be these scavengers that come, these worms, these pesticides. There's always going to be this outside thing that's trying to rob you of your joy, that's trying to rob you of that success. And God says, this is where you trust me. This is where you trust me. This is, this is where you don't need to worry about what all that other stuff looks like. And those weeds look a lot like wheat. They're imposters. There's times where you'll start to see things and you're like, is this good in my life? Is this good? Is this a good person? Is this a good thing? And you're going to have to really lean into God. Is this a weed or is this wheat? Is this something that is poison or is this something that's produce? I need to know. 
And maybe God is convicting you of some of the things in your life that you don't really need right now. Some things that you're turning to that you don't really need like you think you need because they're doing more hurt than they are help. It says in the end, the weeds get bundled up and they either get burned or they get into the barn. The difference between burn and barn is one letter. Amazing. But the difference between the barn and the burn pile is the difference between heaven and hell. That's what it's a metaphor for. The poison, the things that are not from God get burned, and the things that say, yes, this is what the master wanted, those are the ones that go to the barn. And the, the story isn't meant to be hateful. The story is meant to encourage you to go, hey, don't let the, the poisonous, toxic weeds in your life pull you away. You're, you're planting seed, and God has put a seed in your heart. Let that reproduce good. Let that be something that you cast on to good, that you do for others. Let that be something that grows somewhere else. It's the reason that we, we do connect groups at our church. We want you to get around other people that help you see the weeds and get them out and encourage you to do a good job planning beyond. Don't just use Sunday morning as all of your spiritual growth. Find godly friends. Get into your Bible during the week. Get, get some help because this is an ongoing battle. This is where we're struggling. God says this in John chapter 14, verse number 1 through 4. It talks about trusting in God. If you trust in God, trust also in me. He says, listen, I've, I want you to understand I've gone to prepare a place for you. There is more coming. There's, there's a barn that you don't see that is coming for you if you can just trust in me. If I, if I wasn't going to do this, I wouldn't have told you I was going to do this. He goes, I'm going to prepare a place for you because I want you to understand this world, as tough as this is, even if you get 120 years of it, as tough as it is, it's, it's nothing compared to what I've got for you in the end. Just be faithful. Be faithful right now, right where you're at. And watch what I'll do. Watch the lives that I'll change because you're faithfully planting the seeds that I give you. The temptation for you and I every single week is going to be to plant what we want. To lean into our flesh. God goes, that's not going to bear the results that you want. It's about who you trust. It's about what do you do from here. For some of you, you need to, right now, for the very first time, trust God. Right now, right in your seat, open up your life and say, I'm trusting Jesus Christ as my Savior. I need that forgiveness. I need him to take away the things I've done wrong, and I need him to save me. I need a home in heaven. When I take my last breath, I need to know where I'm going. And so in this moment, confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Make him the one that's the driver's seat of your life. You scoot over. You're not doing a good job at the steering wheel anyways. Let's just call it what it is. We love to drive ourselves into a ditch. Let God have your life. For the other people here, you need to really lean into those first couple questions on what you're planning. What, are you, what seeds are you casting? You want to leave here different? Leave here with a challenge. Here's, here's what I'm going to give you. Here's your goal for this week. You want to leave here and, and, and say, I'm going to take today's message and apply it? Then I want you to prayerfully go out and plant seeds with at least four people. There was four different kinds of soil. I'm not telling you that everybody that you share your story with, that you try to encourage, that you try to point to God, I'm not telling you that all those people will be like, hey, thank you so much. They might give you sign language for your number one. I don't know. But you still faithfully do it, and you let God do what he's going to do. There's a, there's a 
you don't have to do that if you don't want to. That's just a takeaway. Do whatever it is that God's putting on your heart. But don't just leave here going, yeah, okay, I'll try to be better. Go out and do something. Intentionally plant some good seed. Will you pray with me? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we ask you for your help. We ask you for you to work in our lives to show us where there might be toxic weeds, where there might be things that are grown up that we need out. God, we ask you to, rem to, to just continue to bring to our, our mind the potential that we have to plant seed. God, you said that one seed could produce 30, 60, 100 times what it was. God, I'm excited when I think about a room this size, an audience that you've given us where if just, just a handful of the people would recognize that with you, their influence can be multiplied by a hundredfold. God, where we could influence the lives of people around us, where we could see our friends and our family members, our kids, our spouses, our, our neighbors, our boss. God, uh, there's so many people that we get a chance to plant seeds with. If, if, if we'll trust you, God, you can do a work in their lives. Would you use us to share the story of how you're at work in our hearts? God, would you use us to influence those around us? Would you use us? God, to point other people to you. Help us, God, be that kind of light. Help us be that kind of church. God, we need you. God, I know there's people in this room that need you right now. I pray they would have the courage. God, that they would have the determination that instead of putting it off, instead of waiting till tomorrow, that right now they would make a decision to follow after you. That they would make a decision to invite you into their heart to trust you as their Lord, as their Savior, as the one who can be the, the, the one calling the shots, that they don't have to do it anymore, that your plan can be better than theirs. God, I, I pray that each and every one of us leave here with that in mind, that you've got more for us than we've got for ourselves. We thank you and we praise you. It's in your name that we pray all of this. Amen. If you'd like to support the ministries of Harbor as we bring the hope of Jesus to our community and around the world, you can visit harborchurch.com give or text any amount to 84321. Thanks for listening. See you next week.